but I ask you to stand and we'll just place ourselves before the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to come here. I thank you for this family. I thank you for each person here. As I, as I recall walking in the foyer and seeing this beautiful people, Father, what, what a blessing to be able to come together, to focus on you, to rally around you. And we, we, we want, uh, what we want uh, from you this morning is we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your word. So we open up to what you want to say and what you want to do in our lives. We thank you that there's no condemnation with your word. You don't come to hit us over the head. You're inviting us to respond. You're inviting us to say yes to what you have in store. And we know that what you have in store is good because you're a good father. So we want to trust in what you have in store. We want to trust in what you want to say and what you want us to absorb. So Father, may you be glorified in this place and at the same time, Father, may you help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart. And all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. You may grab a seat. So we've been talking on heroes. It's been a fantastic, fantastic sto- uh, series. The staff did an awesome job preaching on heroes. And I want to wrap it up with the ultimate hero, that is Jesus. And really, I can't really put him with all the other heroes because he's the son of God. He's God himself. And, uh, but I, I'd like to just focus a bit on, on if Jesus would come here and he would, uh, he would speak to us. Let's say he would, we, he would have a phrase he would tell us. What, what would he tell us? What would he tell us? Um, I had the choice of working on or looking at the sermon and, and saying to give it a description of Jesus like John's, when John on the island of Patmos saw Jesus. I could have talked about describing Jesus, but I really had at heart to talk about what would Jesus say to us. So if, if you have your Bible, take a look at Acts chapter 11, verse 25. It says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, or Paul, And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians for the first at Antioch. So here you see the word Christian for the first time. And it was given by the outside people as they watched the church. It was the word, a name given to the believers to be Christians. And what a Christian is, it means a little Christ or followers of Jesus. So, so the Christians were called followers of Jesus or the believers were called to be followers of Jesus. As the world was taking a look at the church in the early church, they described the church as followers of Jesus. Wow, that's pretty impressive, right? So the definition of a Christian is a follower of Jesus. And I believe that if Jesus would have one phrase to uh, tell us this morning, if he would walk here, I believe he would say, come and follow me. That's what he would say. Come and follow me. Jesus started his, his discipleship with his disciples with this phrase, come and follow me, right? And you look at the great commission that you find in Matthew 28, when Jesus is risen from the dead, And he's preparing his disciples to the call of of seeing this awesome good news of the love of God manifested through him as he laid his life down to reconcile man with the Father, him being the bridge. Um, What he wanted to do, what he, he said in Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of every nation, right? So 
the call of the church, it's to make followers of Jesus. So the thing is, what is a follower of Jesus, right? What it is to follow Jesus. I, I, if we would go in Winnipeg, or even if we would go in our, in our region, in our cities, and we would ask people, what does it mean to be a Christian? I think we would have many different answers, right? But according to the Bible... And according to the steps and the walk of Jesus and we look at the gospel, it seems, and, and I think we're called to believe, that being a Christian is a follower of Jesus. It's to follow Jesus. Can you tell your, your neighbor that being a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus? Can you do that? It's to be a follower of Jesus. And before I jump into this, I, I have to let you know that grace always makes the first move. Grace always makes the first move. Meaning that if Jesus is calling me to be a, a disciple, he has paved the way for it. He makes it possible for me to be a disciple. Grace always makes the first move. When it comes to salvation, of accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, he did everything. He orchestrated everything from the first day to, to your point of conversion in your personal life, in the history of the church, in the big picture of him coming as a Messiah, by the Holy Spirit bringing conviction to your heart. What happened in that process, it was all an act of grace, and my responsibility was to respond to it, right? And this is how God functions. I look at when Jesus was with his disciples, and he said to them, set the people around where, where, where people were following him, and they were all eating up his words, and it got late, and they were hungry. And he got his disciples to sit, and, 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 and he had a grace there, was to do the multiplication of the bread. But Jesus told his disciples what to do, and the, multipli the multiplication of the game, the, the game of, of, of the bread came after, saying that the grace came and, and, and God intervened. It's the same story, the same image that you find in the story of Elisha. There was this widow in the life of Elisha. There was this widow that lost her husband that was a priest, and they were in debt over their heads, and she did not know what to do. And she came to see the prophet, and she said, I don't know what to do. They're going to come and take my two boys and enslave them. And, and the prophet said, go get some vases and bring, them a, and bring them here. First he said, How much do you, what do you have in your house? And she says, I have a bit of oil. Then, she, then he said, go and get all the vases, bring, them to, bring the vases to your home. And that's what she did. And as he poured oil into the first vase that was empty, it got full. And he, uh, earth ran out of vases between, before heaven ran out of oil. But the thing is, is there was a grace before her action. The prophet told her to go get some vases. She could have said, no, a crazy story, I'm not going to do it. So there's always grace before. So when it comes to her walk, when it comes to what is before us, when God calls us and when God asks us to do something, there's always grace before us. Grace always comes first. God always makes it possible. But the thing is, I need to respond to it, right? God can set a table for me. He can, he can set a table of promises, of blessings, of calling, and of a future. But really, it's really my choice to step in what God has in store or not. It's the same thing when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. It's really an option. God has set the table. The grace of God provides for me to be a disciple. I'll give you a little snapshot of how God provided uh, for that to happen. 
You find that in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. It's a beautiful verse, verses because it's, it's a prophecy of what's going to come, of the Messiah and also the work of the Holy Spirit. And it says in chapter 20, 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see here, that is a grace thing. That is grace making the first move. In the book of Ezekiel, hundreds of years before, before Jesus came, there was a setup. That was the plan of God, a plan of grace for us to have a new heart. Wow. To be, to be uh, transformed in the inside. And also to have the Holy Spirit to move us. That's pretty, pretty cool, right? So you see that setup that God has given us through grace. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's up to me. Will I follow him or will I just do my life the way I want, right? So that's a challenge that we have. But we have to know that grace is always before us. But my calling is to respond to that grace. So the thought, what I'd like to t talk about this morning is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What I did is, uh, on Thursday, I, I went around in, in church, and I met with the staff where, wherever they were working, and I, I threw this bomb at them, and I said to, to them or to, to that individual, I said, tell me what it means to follow Jesus. And I had my little napkin, and I was taking note, and this, someone said, I'll give you a paper. I was having fun with my napkin. I was just writing their answers on my napkin, and I went, and then there was two or three talking together, and then they were talking about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. So what I did is I took their answers, and I kind of resumed it to three points, so I would like to convey that to you, uh, what it means to follow Jesus. I, I believe that the first thing when it comes to follow Jesus is you need to walk with Jesus. That makes sense, right? If you're going to follow Jesus, <laughs> you got to walk with Jesus. So I don't think you can't be a follower of Jesus if you don't walk with Jesus. And that talks about having a relationship with him. That talks about being relational with Jesus. And I think it's huge. I think when it comes to a walk with Jesus, it has to be relational. It's to have a communion with him, and it's to have... It's to have a heart-to-heart -heart with them. And when it comes to Christianity or when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, I think that the desire of God, it's to walk with me. The desire of God, it's to, uh, it's to move me and to touch me. You know, when it comes to God's presence, there's no limit. I can go as deep as I want with God. Pretty cool, eh? Think about it for a moment. I can go as deep as I want with God. God doesn't say to me, or say to you, oh, you're too much, man. Well, I've got a bubble here. Respect my bubble, Claude. You know? He, he doesn't have that mindset. He doesn't say, hey, Claude, you've, you came to me so many times last week. Too much. Too much. Time out. Come less. Come less. Come less. I don't have time for you. You know, oh, I'm too busy. Or, oh, Claude again. Oh, man. And he, the, the, the phone rings in heaven. <laughs> and he looks at my number. Not him again. Oh. I can get as close as I want to God. That's unreal when you think about that, right? So Jesus paved the way by grace so I can have access to him. And it's really up to me. It's really up to me. How close do I want to get to him? 
It's really up to me because Jesus paved the way for me to be as close as I want. I don't think I can follow Jesus with binoculars, really. You know, you look at Jesus at a, as a, dis, at, at a distance and you, you're doing life, you're doing your own stuff, and, and then you take your binoculars, oh yeah, he's still there, and you see him move, and, and then you continue to do your stuff, and, and then you make sure, because you believe in Jesus, but he's a little distant from you, and you keep your binoculars on him, and at one point, maybe he's behind a tree, and you freak out. Where is he? Where is he? Ah. And all this time, he comes back out, he says, oh, he's there. You know, that's not the walk that Jesus wants with you. That's not the walk he wants with you. And he proves it in Revelation chapter 3, where he's talking to the Laodicean church, and he says, I'm knocking at the door. I want to have supper with you. So you want to be close enough to know him, right? You want to be close enough to experience him. But if I want to be a follower of Jesus, I need to remember that it's based on relationship. And, and relationship is something that you cultivate, can you say that to your, your neighbor? Relationship is something that you cultivate. It's something that grows. It doesn't happen once every, every year. It's like you have this guy that you meet, I don't know, the last time you met him five years ago. And then he, let's say that would be the scenario. You meet this guy that you haven't met for five years. And then he says, oh, my best friend. You would say, well, what do you mean best friend? Like, I haven't seen you for five years. Maybe then we had a relationship, but it's pretty hard to describe a friend as your best friend if you walked with him five years ago, right? So when it comes to following Jesus, I think it's very clear in scriptures that if you want to follow Jesus, you got to be close to him. And really, God paved all the way. The, the road is open. We can have access to him. The veil is torn. I can approach him and experience his presence, but really it's up to me. And, and when it comes to God's presence... The presence of God is as real as your neighbor sitting beside you. It's real. It's not an abstract thing. It's not a mystical thing. It's real. You come in God's presence, you develop a relationship with him, and you encounter him. And this is where you hear his secrets. This is where he speaks to your heart. And that's what you want to experience in your life. And that's what it says in John 15, verse 14. Listen to this. You are my friends if you do what I command. Would you like to have a friend like that? Honestly, I don't. I don't want to have a buddy that I have to do what he commands, right? But my friendship with Jesus, it's not a buddy-buddy, you know? It's a friendship, but his friendship doesn't deny his lordship. It's like, for example, um, you might have a friend as a police officer, but that doesn't give you the right to break the law, Right? And sometimes we bring Jesus to such a low level. He says, he's my buddy. He's my friend. Yes, he's your friend. But he's still the Lord. Right? So, so your relationship with him will be a little different than a buddy-buddy relationship. Because here he says, if you are my friend, you will do what I command. Right? So look at the benefit of the relationship where that relationship lies. It lies with this. I no, lo I no longer call you slaves because the master does not doesn't confide in a slave. Now I call you my friends, since I've told you everything the Father told me. His friendship is that he reveals all the heart of the Father. He wants to walk with you. He wants to convey to you what he's up to, and he's going to speak to you. It's, for example, in my devotion this summer, in the month of July, I focused on the Gospel of John. And I read the Gospel of John many times. But I had an awesome time reading John's Gospel. 
It was fresh. It was so good. Chapter 1, I was taking notes. Chapter 2, I was taking notes. It was phenomenal. And, I, I, and Jesus was just talking to me through his word. You see, I believe this is the interaction that we want with Jesus. And Jesus wants to have this interaction with me. But it's not a buddy-buddy relationship. As much as there's friendship, there's the lordship of Jesus. So when we talk about following Jesus, we're talking about having a relationship with him, but understanding the lordship of Jesus. Right? That he is the Lord. He has the last word. He's the one that takes control. I might have my opinion, but he gives the direction. So I need to come under him and I need to relate to what he has to say through his word and through impressions in my heart. So walking with Jesus means to have a relationship with him. With him. Also, if you're going to walk with Jesus, you've got to say no to other, other things, right? If you're walking with Jesus, you're not walking with someone else. So that means that you have to prioritize who are you going to follow. And Jesus had the same conversation in his days where he says, are you going to follow me or are you going to follow mammon? Money, the love of, the love of money. Is it wrong to, to have resources? No. Is it wrong to be wealthy? No. But it's wrong to worship money. It's wrong to rely on money. It's wrong to make it your, uh, your, your, your life jacket or your, 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 your safety net. It, it's wrong to live for it, right? And, and there's this, this debate, this challenge, who, who am I going to live for? And following Jesus is saying no to other stuff. When you engage in following Jesus, you'll have to say no to other things. You'll have to, you'll have, to have boundaries. You'll have to say no, no to this, no to that. And you'll have to say, dear, no to sin, no to different stuff that is holding me back of walking close to Jesus. So following Jesus means it's to have a relationship with him. It's like marriage, right? When you, when you engage in a relationship in marriage, you're saying you're committed and you're saying, I'm committed to one. Well, we are the bride of Christ. And when they will have this awesome, awesome reunion at the Feast of the Lamb. That's going to be awesome, right? We'll see him face to face. We'll see the prophets of old. We'll see the, 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 the believers of history, the heroes of the faith. And it's going to be fantastic. But we are set apart. Can you tell your neighbor that you're set apart? I'm set apart. I'm to be married to Jesus. Like, I can't be dating other people if, if Jesus is my groom, right? That's, that's following Jesus. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm following him. He's the one I, I follow. He's the one I want in my life. So first thing, the first definition, and, I, and we could have a long list, and you could have your own list, but I look at, I look at how it, what it means to follow Jesus first is to walk with him. Secondly, is to walk like him. And I believe that if I walk with him, I'll walk more like him, right? I don't think you can be a follower of Jesus and not walking like him because you're following Jesus, right? So look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter, one, verse, um, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Well, Paul says, imitate me. And you know why he was able to say, imitate me? It's because he was imitating Christ. You know, he was not saying, imitate me, look how good I am. He says, my focus is to be like Christ. I'm living for Christ. And I'm, as I'm doing this, watch what I'm doing. But it was not a pride thing to imitate me. 
it, it, it doesn't stop there. It's not the end of the phrase. It says, as I imitate Christ. So Paul made his mandate to do life like Jesus. To do life the way Jesus lived his life. So that's the mandate of the church. What is a Christian? Is a follower of Jesus. What is a follower of Jesus? It's to do life like he would. To go through the gospel and to see how did Jesus live? How did Jesus treat other people? How did he love other people? You see him honoring his father. We see him following the will of his father, right? We see him taking care of people, valuing people, how people were important for him. And so we go through the gospel, and we should have a desire, we should have a longing in our heart to say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to do life like Jesus. I just pray that this desire would arise in our hearts, and, and that grace that God has given us would lead us to a place where we'd say, hey, God, I want to live for you. Like he lived for the Father's will, he lived with significance. He lived with significance. Like we talk about purpose a lot. Live with significance. My life matters. And your life matters, you see? And he lived his life knowing that it mattered. And sometimes, if I give you a little scoop, sometimes we don't think that we matter. We don't think that little me matters. But you matter so much. It's domino effect. How you pursue God, how you serve God, how you view God, it influences so many people around you more than you would ever think, more than you would ever imagine. So it's important to realize that, that God has placed a call upon your life and you're called to live a life of significance. He lived like this wasn't home. That's what he did. He lived like this wasn't home. Um, you know, I'm getting a little older and, and it's kind of funny. Like this week I, I was outside and I, was, I had a, a meeting and I saw the person walk in the church before I did. And I, I tried to run after the person. In, in my head, I was 20 years old. I was sprinting. And as I was going, I just felt the heaviness of my body. And then I started to have pain in my back. And I, I walked beside the, the man. And was, he says, I shook his hand. And I said, are you okay? I said, oh, my leg is just dragging. That's kind of funny. That means that I got to do something about my health, okay? That's another topic. But the thing is, in my head, I'm 20 years old. Go, go, go. Yeah, I can, I can, I can. Woohoo. You know? How many of you understands that, right? When you're a little younger, it's hard to imagine that this guy can think he's 25 because when you look at me, you say, definitely he's not. But the thing is, inside, I never grow old. Unreal, eh? It's pretty cool, though, to some degree. You never grow old. You're young inside. <laughs> Even though you might not look young in the, in the outside, but inside, you, you're young. I remember my mom when she was, before she died from cancer, she was young. She was always young at heart, and, and she was not ashamed about it. And, 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 I, and I look at life, we were made for eternity. Life goes so fast. We can't call this home. We can't call this home. Peter says that we're pilgrims, travelers, aliens. James says that we are like a vapor. Time flies, right? So, so I need to realize that it's way bigger than here. It's way bigger than, than, than now. It's, it's like on this ruler of life. Earthly life is one line. If you had a ruler from here to, to like from, from St. John to Victoria, that's one line in eternity. So we can't put all our eggs in the same basket saying, hey, I'm living for now. Realize that 
Jesus lived like life was way beyond in here. And the only thing you can bring in eternity is people. That's the only thing you can bring with you. It's people. And we're called to bring as many people as we can. This is why we're here. This is what is a follower of Jesus. Jesus' mandate was, I'm going to try to bring as much people as I can, respecting free will, right? So this is why grace was given. God made the way, prepared the way for people to respond. And that's the thing. My job, my calling is to respond. God has placed a pathway for me to be a follower of Jesus. That means to walk with him, to walk like him, but it's really up to me. I can get as, I will get as close as I want. It's really up to me. So it's important to see discipleship this way because that's the way it is. You know, he lived with generosity. He lived with generosity. His mission statement was Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his life mission. That was his motto, was on top of his, of his door or in his business room. It was written, for the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give a life, his life as a ransom for many. Wow, that's our Jesus. So then I look at Christianity and I look at my definition of following Jesus. Wow, it rocks me a bit, right? It challenges me a bit because if I'm called to be a follower of Jesus, I got to go to this. I got to take a look at this and say, God, is this how I'm living? Am I stepping? Am I calling? Am I living for you? And you look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It's, 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 it's very clear. It says your attitude, your attitude that talking to us should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who... Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he decided, because of us, to let go of his attributes in heaven and to live, yes, fully God, but relying on the Holy Spirit to show us how to live. So he left glory to live like us. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death and death to a cross. So... Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Wow, right? It's something to grow in. It's something to consider. It's something to evaluate to say, how am I living my life? Is my definition of being a Christian like this? According to scriptures, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And God calls us to make disciples. So, so it's to walk with them. It's to walk like him. And thirdly, it's to walk freely. It's to walk freely. I believe walking or following Jesus is to walk freely. I like what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Set me free, right? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Awesome verse. For Christ came so I could be free. Can you tell your neighbor that you're called to be free? I'm not called to be in a cage. I'm not called to be in shackles. I'm not called to be in a cistern where I'm abandoned by people. I'm called to be free. That's a mandate of, that God has given us. God has set a pathway of grace for us to walk in freedom, to experience the freedom in our lives because he is peace. He is joy. Because when I walk with Jesus, he's walking with me. It's pretty cool, right? It's not just me walking with Jesus. 
It's him walking with me. And so when I walk with him, he touches me. He heals me. He restores me. It empowers me. It gives me authority. You know that timidity, it's not a, it's not a fruit of the Spirit, right? And sometimes we, we love timidity, right? Oh, he's so timid. Ah, praise God. Hallelujah for his timidity. Like it's such, timidity, it's such, a, it's such a fruit of humility, right? And sometimes we mixed up timidity with humility. Humility is knowing who you're serving. Humility is knowing that you are under God. But you're not called to shrink away of what God is calling you to do. Because God has given you freedom to do it. And you should have your chin up and be excited about it. And like, like Paul, when he said to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and sound mind. So do what you're called to do. You can because of the freedom that was acquired in Christ. So we can walk in the authority, we can walk with freedom, and not to be caught by timidity. Mm. Because I think timidity is, is, is very popular these days. Yeah. We're afraid to be proud, right? And pride is not a good thing. But do you think that I should be proud of the gospel? You think I should be proud of Jesus Christ? When people are cursing his name and and mocking him, there's a pride. He's the lover of my life. He's the one I follow. It it should disturb me. It should affect me, right? Sometimes we watch movies and we say, ah, the only thing they have in the movies is is swear words, so it's not that bad. When when they use the name of the Lord in vain, it, it should grab me inside, you know, because of my pride. It's a good pride, an honor, right? It's when I do, so I'm called to live with that honor. And when it comes to doing life, I'm called to be a proud Christian. I'm proud to be a follower of Jesus. Is there any follower of Jesus in this room? Yeah. You know, is there anyone that want to live for Jesus? Yeah. It's not about being timid because I've got that freedom because of sonship. He made me possible to follow him. His grace paved the way for me to be free to respond to his call and not to live by what people think, but to respond to him. And that's how Jesus lived in honor of his father, right? He did his work, he did his ministry, and he lived with confidence because of his calling. I believe that following Jesus means that we walk with confidence, not in ourselves, but in him, and knowing that God has placed me there. Is it, is it amazing when you know that God placed you somewhere? I think it is. I look at my journey. When I look at the story of GMC, and I look at sometimes they were tough and they were tight, but I remember the call. Yeah, you call me. So I can stand here with assurance, with confidence. This is where I'm called to be. I'm called to run my race. And that's a freedom that God gives me. I think it's amazing, right? I look what it says in Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you've planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. This is what God has in store for you. There's so much. When you follow Jesus so much, the author here is saying, you know, you've placed so much before me, I don't know what to do with it. I can't even talk to you about it. I can't explain all the details of what you have in store for me. There are too many. 
And I believe that's what God has for us. I think that's amazing, right? So that's the freedom that we have, freedom to follow Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 12, look what it says. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What did Jesus do? Raise the dead. He can do greater things. And he's not talking about, I believe that we'll do greater things than than he did, but we'll do it more because through the body, because he's going to the Father, he's multiplying that through the church, and he wants to work through me with that authority and also with that freedom. I think that's pretty cool, right? So that we can pray for people, we can walk with people, and we can expect God to show up in a supernatural way that doesn't stop at me. Amen? So just to wrap up the message this morning, grace always makes a first move. Always. God never asked you to be a disciple of him without him setting you up for it. He gave you all what is necessary for you to be a follower of Jesus. But it's my calling if I want to walk with him. It's my choice if I want to walk like him. It's, it's up to me if I want to walk in freedom and experience his freedom as I walk with him. I think the three are attached together. So my prayer for you, my prayer for us as a church, that we would see that Christianity or being a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus, to follow him, to walk with him, to walk like him, and to walk in freedom. My, my challenge this morning to you is that you would evaluate where you are in your, in your walk. And I'm not, I'm not bringing any condemnation here. I'm just saying that, hey, there's always place to move forward. Jesus is moving. I want to move with him. And, and what does he want to do in my life? What, what is he up to in my life? And I know there's, like, we, we're done the summer. We're starting the fall. It's a great time to, to look at where we are at, to evaluate our walk, and to say, God, you've set grace before me. I want to stand in it in faith, and I want to respond to the call. Amen? I would ask you to stand. Invite the worship team to come. Father God, you're so amazing. We thank you so much that you've made a way through Jesus that we can walk with Jesus There's no limitation. We can experience as much as we want. We want the fullness of you, Lord. We want to run to you. We want to prioritize you. We don't want to be caught with all the emergencies of life and missing out on the priorities of life. We want to be a people that pursues you, that desires you, that longs for you, that considers you important that is willing to take time to connect. Father, I just pray that we would be close to you, that we would not following you from long distance with binoculars, but that we would be walking on your heels, that we would be close enough to know you and close enough to experience you. And Father, we want to walk like Jesus. We want to walk in, with this. Um, we want to walk like him. He's, in, he's our example. He's our ultimate hero. May you transform me. May, may you... Uh, Free me in the inside. Give me a desire to walk according to his ways, to make the hard decisions for the sake of the gospel, to make um, stands that I've never taken before, that I would not be wishy-washy, but I would be committed, that I would be focused, 
that I would want to experience transformation from the inside. That when I go to work, people will see Jesus with me. And will see that I'm a follower of Jesus because they'll see Jesus in me. That's what we want, Lord. We want you to be in us. We want this world to see Jesus through us. That's what we choose this morning. And Lord, we also want to walk in freedom. We don't want to walk in timidity and fear and guilt and condemnation. We want to walk close to you knowing that we can and we're allowed to because of what you've done, because of adoption, that we would not be taken by timidity and and fear, but we would walk with a a pride of being son and daughter of our Lord that we're following with humility. Just come and stir our hearts up this morning, Father. And just, I just want to give you a moment to look at where you are on this journey. Maybe you're here for the first time. You've never committed your life to Jesus. Or maybe you were raised in the church, but it was a religious thing. I invite you to, to see to Jesus. I, I, I want to walk with you. Come in my life. Forgive my sins. Take, oh God, heal me. I'm so caught up with guilt. Free me from the inside. Maybe you are a believer, a churchgoer, but you're, lo- you're following Jesus from a distance. Maybe it's for you to be a little closer. And maybe you're following Jesus, but at the same time you're caught up with fears and timidity and, and you think that you're not capable, you're not good enough. Can you go to Jesus and say, God, thank you for making, making a way by grace that I can follow you, not because of my righteousness, but simply because of your grace. Just invite you, just have a moment with Jesus, with your Jesus.